Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. Derek Peterson here joining me this week. I got Greg Smith across the table from me. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm ready for the game weekend. Are you ready to actually play football? I, I am. I'm ready to watch football. I could go out there and give a play or two. Yeah, you could probably. You could play linebacker. One play at outside linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one. I'll throw the bones no matter what happens. And then I need to come off the field with an oxygen tank. Give up 25-yard pass play and then throw the bones. Probably. You'd, be, you'd fit right in with Diaco's defense. Oh, man, too soon still. <laughs> uh, today we're talking Colorado. So joining us later on the podcast, I've got Brian Howell from BuffZone.com over at the, the Boulder Daily Camera. Um, great talk with him about Colorado and what to expect from the team and how the season is going to go and kind of looking at the rivalry. Um, Greg, let's start this off. What is your favorite non-rivalry rivalry because everything I've heard this week is that this is not a rivalry between Nebraska and Colorado but everybody still hates each other so is this like the best matchup between two teams that hate each other but also say this is not a rivalry probably well maybe but I, I for me it's number two because um, I think if you if you follow the logic of what people have said about Colorado, if we played Missouri again, I think people would say that that's not a rivalry too. And it's even, I think it's partly because Nebraska fans don't want, and players, former players, don't want to admit that those games were competitive and that they were actually a rival. So I think Missouri would definitely fall under that category. But to me, the Missouri rivalry is the bigger one. But I didn't. I don't have the same crazy experiences that a lot of people have, like facing off against Colorado. I didn't watch Nebraska football as a kid because I didn't grow up here, so I don't have that same attachment. When I got here, Missouri was the bigger rival, and we have numerous incidents of like Missouri fans like storming our dorms or like throwing stuff at us on the field. Like there's all sorts of stuff that happened with Missouri that makes that one way more personal for me. Hmm. Is there a game that there's been a lot of hate this week that I've seen? Is there, a, there a game across the country between two teams that has more hate? Probably not. Like, I'm not talking, like, just, you know, we don't like each other and it's rivalry week. And, you know, because, like, Duke, North Carolina, and, like, Michigan, Ohio State, like, they don't. Like, Ohio State doesn't say Michigan. Like, they don't right. say M. They take M off of everything. But, like, we're talking about, like, people throwing batteries and, and oranges and snowballs Urine and crap. And, yeah. <laughs> I read that and I was like, oh my yeah. God, this is intense. Like the stories about like people from Nebraska when they go out to Colorado, they take their license plates off of their cars and change the license plate when they get out far enough um, because they don't want to be harassed. Um, there's numerous like former coaches and players that have had to have some uh, talks with fans in the stands, messing with their wives or significant others. Like there's a lot that has happened in this. There's a there's a game in the series in which they had the refs had to clear the student section at Colorado um, because they were throwing so much stuff on the field. Like it is intense. Like which which kind of takes me back to what you said initially, which about it being a non-rivalry. It has to be a rivalry if you have all of that like 
backlash or backstory and all of the hatred that's been in this series in the past. Yeah, I was on the radio with Schmitty a couple days ago, and I likened it to Bedlam in Oklahoma, uh-huh. where it's not a competitive rivalry because Nebraska owns like 49 of the 69 wins yep. in the series, um, and Bedlam is the same way. Oklahoma's dominated that series, but they still hate each other. Right. It's still a, a quote-unquote rivalry. Scott said rivalry three times in a row at his press <laughs> conference on Thursday. Like, three straight times, and perfectly, all three times. That's I don't know that amazing. I could do that. I don't, Try to do it. Rivalry, rivalry, rivalry. Try to do it a little faster. Rivalry, rivalry, rivalry. Yeah, can yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. No. Were you surprised, speaking of Scott, were you surprised that he said that rivalries were uh, for the fans? No. That's a very coach-ish thing to say. Do you wish that he had embraced it since he played in it? No. I think it, if they had played a game last week, maybe the tone, the, the, the tenor this week from the coaching staff would have been a little different. But because this is the first game and because these guys haven't played together yet and they don't know what the product is going to look like, you have to kind of scale that back a little bit so that your players don't get too amped up because mm-hmm. then there's the, the negatives that come with that. I think they just, you know, they want guys to approach it like a season opener and they want guys to approach it like, you know, this is just another game. And for a lot of kids on the team, like I've been thinking a lot about this this week, for a lot of kids on the team, this is just another game. Um, you know, you can you can be told this is a rivalry, but if you haven't lived it, if you don't, if you're not aware of it, like I'm talking about, like kids that are from Florida, mm-hmm. that that, ha- that have no idea that Nebraska, Colorado, like they have been told and they've seen this week that Nebraska, Colorado is a rivalry, but they have no personal attachment to the game, and so they're just like it's just another game. But even in, in, uh, that did, I, I guess it caught me off guard a little bit in our talking with the players this week that, and how few of them like. I don't want to say knew about the rivalry. They're aware, but just, like, had a real care <laughs> about it, right? But then I did sit back and think about it, and it makes sense. Um, the teams don't play every year. They haven't played in a while. So if even if you're from Nebraska, while you've been told that it's a rivalry and people know that they hate Colorado, like, you've never seen them play. You don't have any real big memories of that rivalry if you're of a certain age. So, yeah, I, I kind of get it. But at least they're, they're not forcing it, which I do kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, – I would like for Nebraska to have one or two of those games on the schedule, though, where they do kind of embrace that hatred and embrace the rivalry. Maybe you get there with Wisconsin. I don't think that Scott Frost will ever get there with Iowa. I don't think that he'd really stoke those flames at all. Um, really? No, because I think that for some reason to me, I think that he would take the approach that a lot of fans have is that I was more like a, a like an annoying little brother or annoying gnat that just needs to go away and be squashed, um, whereas Wisconsin really is something to shoot for. I think you will definitely get there with Wisconsin. I think part of it, too, is this is the first year. And so this is this is the year of we're not going to set too many expectations on ourselves. We're laying the foundation. So if you go out and be like, we have to win this game. We hate these people. Like, you have to win that game. Right. And you're in a position this season where I don't know that they feel too confident going into any game that, like, yeah, we're going to blow this team out. Um, but if you get into, like, year two, year three, and you're, you know, you're more successful and you're more confident, I think you'll get more of a, um, a looser frost in that regard and that he'll he'll be more willing to – to be like, yeah, we hate Iowa. We want to smash them into the ground. I do think it, it's coming for someone. Like, Frost puts out too many of those snarky remarks for that to never happen. Like, it's definitely going to happen. It happened when UCF was playing Auburn. I think you'll get Wisconsin, and then I think when the 
the crossover game schedule changes and you get Nebraska-Michigan for the next four years, I think that's the game. Because Frost and Harbaugh, I mean, that's that's a perfect matchup to, to incite Flames. It, it really is, and Frost has a, a deep history with Michigan mm-hmm. uh, from the split national championship, the stuff with his mom. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. So I do think, I, I do agree with you there. As, as long as Harbaugh can keep up his end of the bargain and keep feeling competitive teams, they'll be all right. That's the big question there. <laughs> uh, let's go back to Colorado. From my perspective, and we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about kids that are a year or two, three younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I And this is going to sound like shade. It's not. Colorado hasn't been good in my lifetime. In my time of, of paying attention to college football and, and being able to recall what happened, you know, in the early 2000s, they haven't been good. They've had one or two good years, but they haven't been great. Like, they haven't been, you know, contending for national championships. They Like, when I think about the best teams, I think about Ohio State and Alabama now. I think about Miami. I think about USC. I don't think – I don't ever think about Colorado. Mm-hmm. I remember the one year that Kansas was decent and, like, a top-ten team with Mangini on the sideline. <laughs> but like, Todd Reese. <laughs> They have dropped out. Like, I don't even think about Colorado in that regard. And I think you might get a lot of that with these kids as well. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know what it kind of, when you were saying that, who it reminded me of, but it's different now, um, Washington. For me, Washington was a team that I always used to hear about being really good, right? And then now they've been pretty consistent with Chris Peterson. But I feel like that's exactly what Colorado is for a lot of people your age and even below her. And it's just like, eh, okay, I can see these videos. Like now these videos of Colorado look being good mm-hmm. are like super grainy and old, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. so you just don't, it doesn't really, it's not really relevant to people anymore about when they were good. Um, I don't know if they're going to turn that around anytime soon, but we'll see about that. That's the question. Yeah, I mean, because you look at it and, and, you know, personally, I could look at it and be like, oh, hey, cool, here's a video from, like, when the turf looks like cardboard. Like, <laughs> okay, cool. But I but I don't, I don't have any frame of reference for it, because I'm like, I've never seen Colorado be good in modern times, so it's like, okay, why does this matter? It also doesn't make sense to me. It's never really made sense to me as to why Colorado hasn't been better. Um, because if you think about it just like with my job and my perspective, like Colorado is always loaded with talent, like the state of Colorado. But if you look, like those kids, those top kids at least, aren't going to Colorado. Now, we'll get to this later, and there'll be a lot of Colorado players that are here this weekend. Um, and ironically, not very many of them are even considering Colorado. So maybe that's part of what it is. But also, I think it's a lot of coaching because I thought Dan Hall would lead them back, and uh, that's a name I haven't said in forever. Um, but that that definitely did not happen. What's your X factor in this game? Let's talk specifically about the game. When we talked to Troy Walters this week, he said that you got to be able to run the ball, and the receivers are going to have to make some plays in the secondary. And running the ball, I mean, that's you, you got to be good running the ball in any game. But uh, does this game feel like whoever wins the line of scrimmage is going to win this one on both sides? It, it does feel like that, but I, I also feel like whoever can limit big plays is the team that will go a long way to win this. And this is where I get really nervous about this from a Nebraska perspective, is that all we have in our minds right now, because they didn't play a game last week, is the secondary giving up big plays, defensive line, um, front seven really not getting much pressure, right? So then that kind of leads you to Steven Montez being able to sit back in the pocket and pick apart a secondary that's learning and still trying to get better for Nebraska. So that's why I get really nervous. Colorado definitely has a couple of good weapons on the outside, 
but we'll see very quickly if this secondary is as improved as the Husker coaching staff has been saying. We'll get to uh, my interview with Brian Howell from BuffZone.com in a second. He talked about Steven Montez in their first game, and it's something like 16 of his 22 completions came at or behind the line of scrimmage. So they're not throwing too many deep passes. So I don't, I'm not convinced that Colorado, and I've said this, I'm not convinced that Colorado is as good as their Week One win mm-hmm. would suggest. And I don't, I actually don't think that is the case either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, like, they're still very much in the prove it phase with their offense because their offense was was up and down last year. Montez had a good year, but they didn't win anything. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, and, and he turned the ball over too much. The thing for me is who's going to limit turnovers in this game? Okay. Who's not going to because. I mean, I, I think you can give up. I, I think both teams are going to score points, but it's who, which defense can create more turnovers and give their offense more chances. If if Nebraska's defense can just create turnovers and create advantageous field position for Adrian Martinez and put them in situations where, you know, let's say they just kicked a field goal and then the defense gives them the ball right back. If you can get a touchdown and you can get 10 points, like, really quickly, yep. that's tremendous for a, a young, growing offense. Take ops. So you're, you're, take looking, ops. you're looking for take ops. But when you were talking about the, the the short passing game turning into bigger plays for Colorado, and that's what they did last week, that then reminds I may I do I need to then change my focus from big plays and narrow it down even further to tackling. Yeah. Because maybe. there's going to be some. So then I'm picturing in my mind now um, the wide receiver from Colorado catching those short passes, and now here comes Lamar Jackson needing to come up into the box area and make a tackle right there. Um, it also helps that in theory he's going to be playing playing closer to the line of scrimmage, so he'll be closer to being able to make that play. Um, but the game could be won or lost on turnovers, but also if Nebraska can now make those tackles in space, um, which will also help if they're actually getting Shenander's favorite saying of 11 savages to the football, um, then you actually can have better opportunities to make those tackles. I want too. that on a shirt. That's an awesome saying. 11 savages to the football. I that want that on a shirt. Great. We can do that. Hopefully we can make that happen. We should make that happen. It's not trademarked yet, right? I don't think so. Okay. They haven't done anything with Redburn's Brighter. Yeah, I keep seeing the graphics. But I was I looking for T-shirts. And we, yeah, yesterday, Gorman and I were talking about T-shirts, and I couldn't find any. I'm sure it's coming, right? We should just make those. <laughs> Before they can. <laughs> make you and buy a promo. <laughs> right. Fund this for the next year. You can get your camera lens that yes, you want. Yes, well, that's how we could fund that. We will need every penny of it <laughs> to be able to fund that. All right, we're going to go to my interview with Brian Howell, and then when we come back, we'll get a score prediction from Greg. Joining us now on the Varsity Club podcast, I want to welcome in Brian Howell from BuffZone.com and the Boulder Daily Camera. Uh, in case that didn't give it away, Brian covers Colorado football. He's here to talk about it. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, weather seems to be cooperating a little bit more than it did last week, so hopefully we get this game in. Yeah, we'll see. It's only Thursday, so uh, we'll see how, how, how it is on Saturday. I see it's supposed to rain a little bit on Friday, but maybe a little bit on Saturday, but rain's okay. It's the lightning that's the problem, right? Yeah, it's the lightning. We don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves. Have you, have you ever had a game canceled because of weather? Well, you know, a few years ago, I think it was 2013, Mike McIntyre's first year, they actually did have a game canceled. Different situation. Um, they canceled a few days before, but there was some major flooding uh, in the area out here, and um, they couldn't. I mean, there was a whole lot of. I mean, people lost lives and houses and things like that. And uh, they actually canceled oh, wow. the game against Fresno State. And 
um, they ha- they never made that up. But um, yeah, so five years ago that happened uh, in Colorado, but they canceled it like two days before. Oh wow! Yeah, this this thing was weird because we had the build up, we had you know the team ran out the tunnel, we had kickoff, and then the game was called, and so we're still sitting there for like three hours after. <laughs> Uh, trying to figure out what's going on, so yeah, I pray that, was, that that does not happen again. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. That would be uh, that'd be a little difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so let's get into Colorado. You cover Colorado. You're here to talk about Colorado. So let's talk about them. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a pretty noticeable um, shift here in in Lincoln, um, and I'm curious if it's the same around Colorado. So coaches that are here that have a tie to Nebraska that know the rivalry, um, they know what it means. Players on the team uh, from either Nebraska or Colorado know about it. Um, Colorado kids say that there's a, a healthy respect for the Buff football program. Um, but then there's other players from elsewhere in the country that just kind of, they know that it was that it was a rivalry. They've been told that it was a rivalry. Um, but there's not really that kind of emotional attachment like maybe teams in the past used to have. Yeah. And then there's the fans, um, and that's where all the bad blood is. That's where the hate is coming from. Um, but there hasn't been a ton of, you know, we have to beat Colorado because it's Colorado talk from the team. Um, is it like that in Boulder? I mean, what's the mood like there as we get closer to this game? Yeah, it's pretty much exactly the same. I mean, the fans have been waiting for this thing for three or four years, and <clears throat> there's two guys on the coaching staff, uh, Darren Chivarini, the co-offense coordinator, and Darian Hagan, the uh, running back, who Nebraska fans probably know very well as the quarterback in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, they're on staff, and they certainly know the rivalry and and uh, know the passion that goes into it. And um, there's a few Colorado kids that grew up with it and know it a little bit. But but really, for the team, it's just I mean, this is not a whole lot different than two years ago when they went and played Michigan. It's just another team that they've heard about and is a Power Five team. Uh, Scott Frost took the approach on Thursday that you know, yes, rivalries are fun for the fans, but you know, we're taking every game day by day and we're not making any one game more important than the other. Have you gotten that same kind of coach speak from Colorado's coaches? Yeah. And from the players, I mean, quarterback Steven Montez even said this week, he said, look, it's just another game and it's just a team that wears a different Jersey than us. So uh, that's kind of the approach they're taking. And there's always been for years, uh, there was the thing here that you couldn't wear red around the football offices in Colorado. And people, and a lot of the players were asked that this week and, and players would say, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard things like that. But so certainly not a big deal uh, where like it was several years ago. I mean, it was passionate. You do not wear red around Colorado um, years ago. But now it's just kind of, you know, <laughs> it's a game, and, and they're excited for it because it's the next game on the schedule. Yeah. I'm curious if, if that changes next year, you know, when Nebraska goes to Colorado to play when you've already had that that one game already. I'm curious if that changes because I've heard stories from people here that are like, yeah, they'll slash your tires in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that, but I know that uh, there's a, from my sense of it, and I grew up here, so I'm more from the Colorado side of it, but my opinion is that um, the Colorado fans, there's more hatred from Colorado towards Nebraska than there is Nebraska towards Colorado. And I was at the, the last time they played uh, 2010 in Lincoln, and I thought that the Nebraska fan base was certainly passionate but a very respectful fan base whereas the colorado fan base they absolutely hate nebraska with a passion and don't want anything to do with the huskers they want nebraska to lose every single game they want colorado to win this one 70 to nothing 
And so I don't think there's much love uh, for Colorado uh, from Colorado towards Nebraska. That's funny. I actually, so I'm from Oklahoma, so I went to school at OU. Um, and so I'm kind of likening this rivalry to the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State bedlam that I grew up with because it's kind of a similar situation where you've got two schools where one school has really dominated kind of the all time record. Where, mm-hmm. I mean, that's Oklahoma in the bedlam series. Um, but the what you just described, it's like the inverse there. It's like the team uh, that has won all the games absolutely hates the other team. And so it's it's kind of interesting to see that it's reversed here. Yeah, and I think part of it is, uh, for at least Colorado, maybe it's because they, they haven't won so many of those games. And, yeah. um, you know, they they certainly uh, you know did better during uh, their heyday in the late, uh, late 80s and early 90s. Uh, did pretty well in this series, but certainly towards the end, it was pretty heavily towards Nebraska. Sure. Let's talk about last week. Uh, Colorado steamrolled Colorado State on the 31st of August, I think. Yes. Um, it was 21-7 to after one quarter, 45-13 to at the end. Colorado gained the Rams 596 to 284 overall, had 258 rushing yards. Uh, I'm guessing your story was written by halftime in that one? Yeah, that one was done pretty early. <laughs> and I kind of like those, <laughs> especially a 7.30 p.m. start. Those are kind of nice. So, yeah, yeah. that... Uh, that game, I didn't. I thought that Colorado would run away with it, but I didn't think that it would be that big of a blowout. I thought they'd win by at least a couple touchdowns, um, but I was surprised that they they beat them like they did. But they came out and just offensively um, just took it to them, and they really could have. I mean, they could have had sixty or seventy points if they wanted to. I mean, there was twice uh, they were inside uh, CSU territory and threw a pick and then a fumble, so two turnovers there that prevented scores, and then. Um, really just got conservative, didn't even throw the ball in the fourth quarter. So, you know, had they kept going all night, they probably could have scored 60 or 70 points. How much can you take from that game? Is there a lot to be learned about Colorado, or was that more about just how bad of a team Colorado State is? I think there's a little of both. I mean, we saw Colorado State a week earlier against Hawaii not look very good either. So I think I think that's a bad football team. But the one thing I really take away from it from Colorado is that two years ago when they had their really good season – they started off and they played Colorado State and just overmatched them and, and blew them out and just took it to them. And uh, then a couple weeks later, they played Idaho State and just blew them out. So they blew out opponents they were supposed to. Last year, they opened three straight games, CSU, Texas State, and Northern Colorado. Three teams were supposed to blow out, and they didn't. They didn't look very good. And they got through them, but they didn't look very good. This one, a team you're supposed to beat, overmatched, and they blew them out. So I think that there's... This team, I think, is more focused and just a better overall team that um, shows some signs that maybe they can play the way they're supposed to play week in and week out. Hmm. Maybe they've got a little bit of that Michigan State kind of roller coaster going where you're really good one season and then you are worse than expected and then you're better than expected. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is that you know Colorado was bad for so long that um, 2016 kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm not sure Colorado knew how to handle that their players and kind of took that dip last year but uh, i think they're i think they're more ready to have sustained sustained success in the future well, let's talk about uh the quarterback steven montez i want to get your read on him because he was brilliant in their first game um last season he was a 60 percent passer he had a, a two to one touchdown interception mm-hmm. ratio just a shade under three thousand yards it was a good year but colorado went five and seven saturday he goes for for 338 with more touchdowns than incompletions um, when you look at him, is he a good stats, bad team guy? 
or, or is he somebody that should be taken seriously as a top quarterback in the Pac-12? I think he should be taken seriously as a top quarterback. He can play really well. He's got he's got NFL level skills. Um, he just needs to put it all together mentally, and and uh, you know he's only a junior, so I think he will. Um, his stats last week um, they look really nice, and they were really nice. But um, twenty two of twenty five of his twenty five passes, nineteen of them were thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage. So those are a pretty high percentage passes, and six of them were those those jet sweeps where the receiver runs right in front of him and he tosses it about a foot. And so six of them were that. So they were not very challenging throws that he had to do the other night. Now, when he did have to um, make some downfield throws, he did a good job with them. But um, it wasn't a it was a game plan that was set up for him to have success uh, throwing the ball. And but credit him, he did a great job with that. And but I thought, to answer your question, I think he's got NFL level skills. I think he's got the skills to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12. He's got serious weapons around him too. Yeah, uh, he does. You know, Chenault Jr. and, and Katie Nixon are, are legit dudes. It 300 yards between the two of them uh, last week. Lined up all over the field, surprised some people. On a broader level, how important are they to Colorado's success this season? They're very important because they're they're so versatile, and you know you see it in that Colorado State game, especially with Chenault. Um, they didn't run a whole lot of their offense the other night, but yet they still had Chenault um, lining up uh, as a receiver, as an H back, as a tailback even as a Wildcat quarterback once. So they moved him around quite a bit. Not as much with Nixon, but he's another guy that uh, he's a smaller guy, but they can play him. They can run him out of the backfield. They can throw the ball to him. He obviously uh, had a uh, – he's a deep threat. He caught a, a 46-yard touchdown pass, I believe it was. Um, so those two guys are, are very vital to their success because of how versatile they are. But they're certainly not the only weapons. And that's what's going to be interesting with Colorado is that it was those two that shined, but there's so many weapons that uh, we think they have on offense that nobody really saw last week. So let's talk about uh, this game Saturday then. Nebraska's defense was just atrocious last year, um, mm-hmm. especially against the pass, but this is this is being billed as a different defense. Do you see the, the passing game that worked last week against Colorado State? Do you see that being effective this week against the Huskers, or, or, or are there changes that you're looking for? I think it'll be a little bit different. Um, I would expect, and uh, you would know this better than me, but I would, I would expect that, that Nebraska has more uh, speed on the perimeter than Colorado State did. And that's one thing that CU did really well last week is they, they got their guys on the perimeter and they could get the edge and, and get big gains that way. I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that quite like that against Nebraska. Might uh, need some more downfield type passing. Um, but I think that they're they're versatile enough that they can do – they can do the short passing game, they can do the long passing game, and they can they can run the ball if they need to. So that's what I'm curious is to see what Nebraska does to try to take away uh, from Colorado and how Colorado adjusts. That might be a big question because that I mean that's what that's what we've been told this off season is that Nebraska got faster. So yeah. I guess that'll be a test. We'll see. Um, Troy Walters this week talked about kind of key factors for Nebraska heading into this game, and he said that they've got to be able to run the ball effectively. Um, that's like the case in any football game ever. But would you right. agree that that's that's the battle to watch in this particular game? Yeah, I think so. Because last year Colorado's uh, defensive line was was really not very good. I mean, that's that's one of the big reasons they didn't make a bowl game last year is they could not stop the run. And uh, you know, a game like at Arizona State last year, they're up by eleven. I think it was ten or eleven going into the fourth quarter, and Arizona State just started running the ball down their throat and they couldn't stop them at all. They lose the game by eleven points. 
um, games like that, just teams ran all over them. Their defensive line played pretty well against Colorado State last week, but I'm curious to see how they'll play against a, a line that I think is probably better than Colorado State, at least bigger and stronger. Um, so I think for CU, if they can stop the run, slow down the run at least, I think that's a big key for them. But if they can't, then I think it's going to be a long day. Yeah, given the school is Nebraska, you would hope that the line is a little bit better yeah, than Colorado I, State's. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting uh, – I mean, that's the one thing that even – even when Nebraska hasn't been very good, they typically have pretty good linemen, and so I would guess that that's going to be a pretty big factor this week. Is there a guy on Nebraska that you're most interested in seeing? A guy you're you're curious to see either how he performs or how he matches up against someone on Colorado? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Adrian Martinez is one I think that just about everybody is looking forward to seeing, uh, the true freshman quarterback, and uh, I'm curious to see what his speed is like and what he, he does to Colorado, because last year, you know, obviously, uh, Khalil Tate from Arizona, his breakout game was against Colorado. Um, Adrian looks like he's got that kind of speed. So I'm, I'm curious to see him. But outside of him, um, I'm curious to see Stanley Morgan. Uh, you know, he's a, you know, an all-American type receiver. And, and Colorado's got some young, fairly unproven corners that uh, played fairly well last week. But I think Stanley is a receiver that can really challenge them. Interesting. I, I, I'm curious, and this is not something that I – that I, you know, sent you when I sent you questions. But when we do these, when I do this each week, I'm kind of curious how long it's going to take before someone answers with a defensive player. Because Nebraska's <laughs> been known for defense, right? Not so much lately. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious how long it's going to take to hear a defensive player. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I think it might be uh, if they can stop a few teams, maybe it'll be the defensive players. But I mean, they've got a couple of defensive linemen. Um, that uh, that I think are pretty good, and um, they've got some young Colorado kids that I think that I'm looking forward to seeing in the future, um, like a, a JoJo Doman or Tate Wildeman uh, that grew up around here that uh, I'm interested to see in the future. JoJo, I would guess, would play this week, but uh, Tate is probably a redshirt guy. Yeah, that you're you're exactly right. Nailed it. What, what's your what's your read on Adrian as a as a what he can do as a freshman? Because I mean, here when we're insulated and just around this team every day, there's a ton of excitement. What's your read from the outside? Well, the, it's hard to say because Colorado doesn't have much to go on with him. Um, you know, obviously he didn't play as a senior in high school, and so there's always so much you can get off of his his junior high school tape and then watching the spring game a little bit. But it looks to me like he's got a lot of speed and, and ability there. Um, I'm curious how how he's going to handle – you know the bright lights and the and the pressure of you know being in front of ninety thousand people and and uh, you know the difference with the spring game is I would imagine that this was the case with Nebraska but most spring games quarterbacks know they can't get hit as the, their opponent their, their teammates will get in trouble if they get hit so I think it's easier to play a spring game like that when you're a quarterback and know you don't have to get hit so I'm curious to see how he's going to handle a situation where he does get hit. And uh, but it looks like he's talented. I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays throughout his career because it looks like he's got the ability to have a good career. That was that was one of the things that I've been, I guess, curious about all off season long. Is they've had their quarterbacks in those green non contact jerseys pretty much since January. And yeah. When you when you're talking about Adrian, I mean, he had, he didn't play a senior year, so he hasn't he hasn't gotten tackled in a football game in almost two years. So, I, yeah, you you definitely are wondering. <laughs> How he's going to react the first time he gets popped in the middle? Yeah, and I'm really curious when that'll be. I mean, if it's something that 
you know, if Colorado hits him right away, I mean, does does that stun him a little bit? And, you know, how does he react to it? You know, does it hurt? <laughs> you know, he's like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this is yeah. different than practice. Yep. Yep. One more question, and then we'll get you out of here. Score prediction for Saturday's game. Who's winning and why? Well, you know, I've, I've said all offseason that I think Nebraska wins this game. And even after last week, I feel better about Colorado, but I still – give the edge to Nebraska, and I think it's because uh, it's in Lincoln. And I I think there's a lot of unknowns with Nebraska. I think they can catch Colorado um, with some of that. I think Colorado's a, a looks like they're a pretty solid team, but my perception from the outside is that that, that Nebraska fan base is really, really excited for the Frost era to begin, and I think there's going to be a lot of energy in that stadium that uh, the, the, the players can feed off of, and I think that'll carry into victory and Earlier on a podcast uh, for us this week, I, I predicted 31-30 for Nebraska. So I think it's going to be close, and that's about as close as you can possibly get. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go 31-30 Nebraska, but wouldn't be surprised at all if Colorado pulls this one out. I think you're exactly right about the energy thing. That's what I've been saying for the last couple of days now. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of electricity, and I think that can can have can definitely have a positive effect on a team when they're playing at home. So and I feel like it's and you'll know this better, but I feel like it's maybe even more pent-up energy after having that game canceled last week is that, you know, that kind of just adds to it with uh, having this be the opener now. Yeah, I've had a couple of players tell me that, which was a little surprising to me because, with, like, being on the field for the tunnel walk and for the kids coming onto the field last week, I was like, I've never seen, I've never experienced anything like this. So to think that it could be dialed up even more, um, I guess we'll have to wait and see for Saturday. Yeah, well, it'll be fun. Are you, uh, you going to be in Lincoln for the game? I will. Heading out cool. tomorrow, uh, doing the fun drive on I-80. All right. We'll meet up in the press box then. Sounds good. All right. Brian Howell from BuffZone.com. Make sure you follow him. Go read his stuff. It's, it's, it's really good. I've been keeping tabs on it this week. Brian, thanks for joining the podcast. Anytime. Thank you. There he is. Good stuff. Greg, I'm going to turn to you now. Let's get a score prediction for the game. Let's talk about it. I'm, I'm going to go Nebraska 42, Colorado 21. That's what you put in the mailbag. And that is a big number. <laughs> that, did that surprise you? Three touchdowns you in their opener. <laughs> yeah, it did surprise me a little bit. Okay, but the, the reasoning behind this, and like I wrote in the mailbag, is that I do think that Nebraska is going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to be able to run the football. I think the game plan will call for them to run the football a lot. I think they run up 300 yards of rushing total against Colorado. Okay. I think I think the defense and with the 21 points, I think the defense obviously will give up some some points and some yardage. Um, but I do think that they're going to be able to create a couple of takeaways. Um, and I, I just don't have a good gauge though on how good Colorado is. I erred on the side of they're not as good as nearly as good as that first game indicated. Um, so I think Nebraska shocks them, um, and Colorado comes in here and runs into a buzzsaw because the place will also still be very electric, like it was going to be last week for that Akron game. Yes, those are. Those are the reasons that I have as well. I, I, and I said 37-17, which is a 20-point win, which is no different See, from a 21-point win. From me. Yeah, I'm right where you are. Um, I don't think the the first game against a Power 5 team thing, I don't think that's as big as people are making it out to be. I also don't – side note, we definitely should stop asking this particular coaching staff about Power 5 opponents or like Power 5 teams versus Group of 5 teams. <laughs> we should definitely stop asking that question or stop phrasing it in the sense that there's there's some – division between Power 5 and Group of 5. Probably should stop that. Yeah, yeah we probably you. should. So, because 
no, I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody asked the question <laughs> about it. Like, is it harder that it's a Power 5 team that you're opening with? And, and Jovan DeWitt was just like, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's a Power 5 team. It's a team. It's a good yeah. team that we're opening against. Um, so I, so I, don't, I don't buy that that's a thing. Yep. Um, I also don't buy that Colorado has this major advantage over Nebraska because it played last week and Nebraska didn't. It's, it's no different from, you know, Colorado State playing Hawaii the week before they played Colorado. They didn't have a major advantage. They got stomped, <laughs> that is forty-five funny. to thirteen. There is no advantage there. Um, it, I mean, it, it's the same as you know, bye week, your first week, or or opening later in the season. It's not, it's not any different. I don't. So I don't, I don't think that that is some advantage for Colorado. But I also don't think it's a crazy big advantage for Nebraska. Maybe just in the sense that you know, Colorado has is watching UCF film and not, you know, Nebraska film, so they don't know personnel, but. Akron wouldn't have known personnel last week anyway. So, um, but it, the crux of it is, I think Nebraska doesn't have a good defense. But, but you've been you've been fairly consistent on that, mm-hmm. right? Is that you? Because you said you called for them to have what a top fifty, top fifty defense. Defense you said they're not going to lose by twenty or more this season, or by more than twenty this season. Which would be a good step. Like I think that that would be a, a really nice step, considering a couple of the teams that are on the schedule. Though I still will say that I only think that one team on the schedule, Ohio State, has the potential to do that to Nebraska this year. Like, I like the matchup, even now in year one, and definitely going forward with teams like Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio State. Like, I just think the matchup now with mm-hmm. the schemes that Nebraska runs, is just tailor-made to beat those teams. Like, we're going to get there more, obviously, when we get to that week. But the Michigan style of play versus Scott Frost and Nebraska style of play is just going to be fascinating to me, even in the situation in which you have first year of Adrian Martinez versus that stout defense. But put that on pause for now. <laughs> hold my excitement there um but no I, I agree with a lot of your points I do think that the the biggest advantage for the hey Nebraska didn't play last week thing is that Colorado has to still watch UCF and even Oregon tape because they don't get to see just like Jacob likes to say we haven't seen them right um so we haven't been able to see the personnel <laughs> groupings that you're going to see out there because there's a lot of different combinations that Nebraska could go with but I think that's an advantage Nebraska yeah and I think we're also, I mean, we, we could both agree that things are going to look a little different than they did at Central Florida. Yes, because I think they're going to evolve things. And when you have, a, a, I don't, don't want to phrase this correctly. I was going to say when you have a higher level of talent on your team, and I know that sounds crazy considering what they did last year, but in theory, Nebraska's talent should be greater than UCF's talent, just in a vacuum, right? Um, and that will allow you to do more things with your schemes. We'll see if they get there, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they should be able to do more within the schemes. And I think that right there is what helps the defense. You've got they got talent on defense. Mm-hmm. I like the talent that they have on defense. So now you just put a scheme to it that can actually work in a college environment. <laughs> You'll be fine. That's great. Oh, <laughs> Bob Diaco. It's gonna take a while. Get fully get over that debacle. <laughs> it's gonna take a little while, but oh, Diaco. The Diaco debacle. Yes. Yes. Diaco. 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 The Diaco. We should make it up words now. Let's get a recruiting uh, note in from you before we leave. 
you got some stuff that you want to share. You're all ready. You got I, stuff on the phone, too. <laughs> I am ready. Well, I'm this, calling you out. I think there's like 16 guys that are coming. So, yeah, to, I'm going to have to be able to remember this. So this was the week that a lot of the Husker commits decided that they were going to get together and come out for this game because, you know, it's uh, not a rivalry. So, you know, they wanted to come out and make sure they made their presence felt for yeah, this Yeah, this one. game doesn't matter at all. No, not it at all. It doesn't mean anything more than the Akron game. Especially considering, you know, guys like Michael Lynn and Luke McCaffrey, who will be here on on official visits, like have openly mentioned that they wanted Nebraska to beat Colorado, even though they're from the state of Colorado. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Not Um, a rivalry. Nope, not a rivalry. But those two will be here uh, on officials. Nick Henrich will be here from Omaha Burke on an official. Jackson Hanna, his uh, inside linebacker mate from Tennessee, will also be here on an official. And then on unofficials, guys that are committed, Matthew Anderson, Garrett Snodgrass, and Jamie Nance will all be here as well on unofficials. So they've got a, a good, strong group of their committed players that will be here in town. Um, then for your uncommitted official visits, um, there's some big ones. And I think the Nebraska has a good chance with all of these guys um, to a little bit varying degrees. But you have four-star wide receiver from St. Louis, Marcus Washington, um, who looks like Nebraska versus Texas battle brewing right now. It was thought that Ohio State would be the team to beat, and he was going to commit there right before that whole Zach Smith, Urban Meyer thing kind of blew up and continued to get worse and look ugly. Um, he's since backed off of making that pledge, so I think Nebraska versus Texas, where he's going next week, is the interesting matchup there. Um, that would be so like hard as for for us. Marcus Washington and Maurice Washington. Yes, that would be very difficult. <laughs> like, the, and then they're right there, both on offense. Like, it'd be even better. It'd be better if one was on defense, one was on offense. But hopefully, he commits, and we get to end up having that problem. <laughs> um, four-star tight end Chris Hickman from Omaha, Burke McKenrich's teammate, will be here, and his recruitment has been fascinating to watch. Like, this one has been to me crazier than the Nick Henrich commitment, which we kind of saw building the way that it was once Barrett Rude really formed that bond with with Nick Henrich we really saw that going um, Hickman though has like a lot more quietly been to Lincoln several times throughout the spring and the summer um, this is the his first official visit of, of the fall and he didn't take one in the summer um, he does not have another one scheduled right now I think Nebraska has an opportunity to go ahead and shut the door on this recruitment which I'm saying that hopefully it's coming across in my voice that I'm kind of amazed by how this has all happened because if you had told me a year ago that Nick Henrich would commit to Nebraska before the season and Chris Hickman could potentially come here for well what's game one and then end up not taking another visit which is a very real possibility I would have thought you were crazy like the ground that they've made up with those two guys is pretty incredible well two months ago it sounded like Hickman was going to be a long shot right yeah and that's true too is that two months ago it sounded like he was not going to take an official to Nebraska that Nebraska would be in consideration but because Nebraska was so close that he would not need to take an official visit here and to go from even that a couple of months ago to now him taking a visit in this huge weekend where so many guys are going to be here to work on him and he gets to kind of be around what could be his future teammates for a great atmosphere. Like it, It's pretty incredible the work that, because Barrett Rood is the lead recruiter in the state of Nebraska. It's Barrett Rood, Coach Frost, Sean Becton, who would be his position coach. Like This one is a team effort and it's pretty incredible to see. Maybe it works out for them then that the 
that the Akron game was canceled and this is the opener because that just builds the electricity in the stadium more it, for it, this. There is going to be even more. And I think that even so, if you take what would have been the electricity last week and then add in the quote-unquote non-rivalry, because the one group that definitely feels the rivalry, though, is the fans. So they're going to be really fired up for this. So I do think that you have an opportunity to get close to what you would have seen last week. Um, but there's a couple more guys. Um, three-star defensive back Jamel Starks um, will be here Who um, from Georgia, defensive back from Georgia who has family in Omaha. Already got a prediction for him to be in. Um, also three-star cornerback from Arizona, um, Javin Wright, who is a legacy recruit. His dad played here in the 90s. Um, I also have a prediction for him to be in um, as well. And then you have 2020 three-star defensive lineman Nash Hutmaker, um, who is a favorite. Of, yeah, he's a favorite of a lot of guys on our on, in the varsity club on our message board um, <laughs> because he squats and lifts a house. Um, he's a state champion wrestler. I think they call him the Cub or something like that. Um, he's a good prospect um, up in North Dakota. Oh, no, it's one of the Dakotas. It's either North or South Dakota. Sorry, that was Dakota. a lot. Dakota. That was a lot of information, but there are a lot of guys that will be here this weekend. I bet Jacob likes Nash. Probably. He's his favorite kid. should ask him that. I don't we think should that's come up. That. <laughs> I think that'll do it. Got anything else you want to add? No. You just ran through, like, 85 minutes worth of recruiting updates. That's good. That is good. Yeah, that <laughs> it actually is a good sign. That, uh, that means you're doing your job. It, it does mean that, so tell my bosses. Um, and it means that Nebraska is doing their job, yes. getting guys here to see what's going to be a really special environment on Saturday. Like I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, weather looks pretty good, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully. You're going to knock on yep. the wood. The weather hopefully cooperates because I will – Throw something. I, I I'll throw take oranges. Delay. I'll throw oranges if we get another delay. <laughs> go, go old school. I'll throw oranges um, at the glass inside the press box, so everybody else will have to deal with it. All right, that'll do it for this week's podcast. We will have plenty of coverage throughout the weekend on the Colorado game. We'll have coverage. Uh, is there a volleyball game this weekend? I know they played Friday, Thursday night against Creighton. I don't know if there's a game. Uh, if there is, Jacob match. Sorry, if there is a volleyball match, Jacob will have coverage on that. We'll have plenty of coverage in through next weekend. Hopefully, we get this game in and we can have something new to talk about next week. Keep it with hailvarsity.com through the weekend. Thanks for listening.